Welcome to the Gospel Clarity Podcast, where we discover the difference Jesus makes in all of life. In order for the gospel to be functional, sent- dang it. <laughs> all right, go ahead. Take three. <laughs> Welcome to the Gospel Clarity Podcast, where we discover the difference Jesus makes in all of life. In order for the gospel to be central, it must be functional. I'm your host, Mark Smith. And my name is Andrew Arthur. And today we're going to be giving a brief update on our Gospel Clarity Podcast and the remaining of this season. And we're also going to um, briefly touch on the relationship between images and meaning as we look at some of the, uh, the values that our church is rolling out over these next few weeks. So, Andrew, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Mark. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Well, I'm a little under the weather, but I'm trying to kick this cold. Yeah. I'm hopped up on DayQuil. DayQuil. So you're feeling good then, right, for, <laughs> at the time? For well, the it's moment. not NyQuil. Okay. NyQuil, well, at least you're I not think. getting sleepy. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, I'm especially excited because of this new, updated, renovated podcast studio that we are in. Looks great, man. So we've got a bit of an update for listeners. We have a new addition to the team, to the Gospel Clarity Podcast team. We've got Corey in here, and he's going to be doing some uh, production and producing of the podcast. Are you excited, Andrew? What do you think? Yeah, I like the fact that he's a he's a one-name kind of guy, you know, like Prince or Madonna. Corey? Or <laughs> just Corey. And uh, you know you know who he is. Yep. Uh, he he's a he's a tremendous uh, blessing and gift to our team. Uh, we're excited to have him really spearheading a lot of the production elements of this podcast. Something we have not had up to this point, and I'm sure listeners can tell uh, at points where we've been lacking in terms of our sound quality and the production value of this podcast. But we believe deeply in the content that we're producing and being able to produce that content at a higher at a in a at a better quality. Is something that we look forward to doing, and, and we're um, grateful to have Corey on the team serving in that way now. Yeah, Corey's the man. And it's great, too. I mean, he has, for those who don't know, he has a, a, a lot of experience as both a musician and a, um, a producer, sound engineer, um, recording, editing, all those things. So now he gets to bring those gifts to the podcast, and all of us are going to benefit from it. And he likes to bake. Which is another plus, so, yeah. you know, we'll benefit from artesian that, Artesian baker is what I call him. Or what? An artesian, artesian, artesian. <laughs> is it artesian or artesian? Or artisan. Artisan? Yeah. One of those? All of the above. Depends on where you're from. Yes. That's really the, what matters. I say tomato, tomato. Yeah. All right, so, segueing into tomato and tomato <laughs> into the topic for today... Uh, let's talk about image and meaning. Well, before we jump into the topic, let's talk a little bit about, um, as if you, as you guys have been listening to the podcast, you know that we haven't produced an episode in several weeks. Uh, we've been on a brief hiatus because we wanted to take a step back, kind of re-evaluate, recalibrate, and, um, get pieces in place that we've needed to get in place so that we could provide you guys with a better listening experience. Um, so that's where we've been over the past several weeks. But from this point forward, uh, we're going to we're gonna approach Season 2 
in a bit of a fresher way, and we're going to wrap up season two uh, before the summer begins. And but the episodes will be coming a lot more consistently after from this point forward. Just wanted to throw that out there. All right, it's good. So let's talk image and meaning. A lot of us normally take for granted and just are so used to in our culture now with images and pictures and uh, providing a substance of, of meaning. We have a bunch of TV, we have a bunch of, um, you know, I even think about poetry, different images, photography that... We're supposed to see this image, and it's supposed to provide a certain type of meaning. We've been really trained in that. Um, why do you think that is, Andrew? What? Well, I think I think one of the reasons why it's so common and, and becoming so um, there's such an appetite for it in our culture today is because we live in a postmodern society where in where meaning is really. Um, Discovering meaning is dependent upon the interpreter of a given moment or of a given statement or of a given image that they see. And so when we move away from being kind of word-driven to image-driven, we I think that's more appetizing in our culture and in our context because we live in a culture and a context where people are deriving their own meaning from whatever they're interacting with. And the the chances of misinterpretation increase when we move to an image-driven dynamic, but we live in a culture where misinterpretation is becoming less possible because everyone sort of has their truth, their meaning, their reality. And so that dynamic, I think, just culturally and philosophically um, accommodates or or speaks to why I think there's such an appetite for image-driven communication in our culture and in our context today. Mm. Uh, which is different from previous generations where the written word was the dominant means. I mean, there's always been images. There's always been images in culture, and and people have always communicated visually. But uh, when the written word started becoming, when the written word became more prominent, it became the dominant form of communication and relaying of information and even uh, shaping society and culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now we've kind of shifted gears in our postmodern philosophy, our postmodern society, where uh, the written word is less uh, interesting to people mm-hmm. on some levels, and but the uh, communicating by way of images and visuals, it's it's quick, it's uh, open to interpretation, it's um, it speaks in a in a much uh, in a multi-pronged fashion, whereas sometimes the written word, unless you're writing poetry or you're writing um, narrative or story, uh, if you're just writing prose and principles, um, that stuff's communicating kind of in one prong, in mm-hmm. front from from uh, just one prong communication. But a, a visual or in, a visual depiction communicates on many levels. Yeah, yeah, I almost see it as like different layers. Um, an image can communicate when it's visually expressed. Um, it, it, it communicates through layers, and that can be interpreted in different ways and can draw out different emoti- emotions and different 
um, affections and values as opposed to a, a prose is very one-dimensional, one line, one layer, mm-hmm. um, it communicating exactly that, which is very needed. It is necessary, I think, to write out clear definitions, clear prose, um, but in certain things... Yeah, depending on what you're talking depending about. Depending on what you're sure. talking about, yeah. Um, but in, in certain, in other, uh, uh, excuse me, in certain areas, using an image can be far more powerful and more dynamic mm-hmm. than just saying one simple prose. Right? Yeah, an image can solicit emotion uh, yeah. more so than a, than a proposition, like yeah. a, just a statement of fact or a proposition. It, it, if you see an image of someone who is suffering, mm-hmm. and they're suffering because they live in an impoverished area, you see that image, that's going to strike you differently than reading a statistic on a page about how prominent hunger is in a certain part of the world. Yeah. Um, because it, it, it's, it's an artistic medium, um, mm-hmm. and it can... Yeah, it can hit you in yeah. deep places. And an area where I think images really thrive is in theater. In the theater world, um, a scene, a setup in the scene is to display and communicate an image that the audience immediately interacts with. Mm-hmm. Right. So if you have a, a scene set up of, um, let's say, a living room where there's... Um, you know, different food or different things. Maybe things have gotten messy. It's communicating. This image is going to communicate an emotion and a motive and a reaction towards the audience. Mm-hmm. And however it's specifically designed, even the subtle changes of it are meant to be thought-provoking in that way. Mm-hmm. And none of it is is written down. There's no words involved in any of that. And, the, and there may never be a spotlight kind of shining on a particular part of the set. Mm-hmm. Um, but all of it is supposed to in, in really good theater. Mm-hmm. Every piece in the frame matters, and it's intentional. Right. Uh, now, back in the day, when, when prose was more common and, and the written word was more prominent as far as mode of, of shaping culture and, and going, like, writers would do this. Novelists do this all the time. When That's why they put so much emphasis on describing a scene and describing a setting, because scene and setting... Uh, affects the mood mm-hmm. of what's about to take place. And so, um, yeah, just an interesting observation that artists have always done that through whatever medium they're choosing. It just seems mm-hmm. like today we're in a place where artists tend to... Um, it seems like more people are interested in visual mediums. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, anyways. Yeah, I mean, we have so many reasons why why that is. I mean... What you were talking about earlier with the the postmodern um, postmodern thought and kind of how that influences entertainment, how that influences art, all of those things. But what we want to talk about today is the is specifically utilizing image um, uh, for a meaningful purpose um, and using what people can already communicate and associate um, with uh, different uh, associate meaning from. Um, utilizing that in a way that can bring value and, uh, I think, community. Um, and so that's something that we've recently done at our church is we've um, reintroduced our values, but we've done it through images, mm-hmm. not statements. Mm-hmm. 
well, images with some associated statements, but the statements are broad sorry, enough yes, that, yes. that associated um, statements. the layers that images speak on, there's, there's fluidity and flexibility in terms of how these images drive our church to action. Right. Uh, because when we talk about values, we're talking about that which creates our culture, that which is true to of who we are as a faith family. And, and so there's some things that we want these images to provoke within all of our people um, and that compel us into a certain rhythm of life as we embody what we believe God has kind of put in our heart as a church um, to, to make Jesus known in the city. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, so we, we moved away. We, used to, we were very text-heavy and word-heavy on our previous, uh, the previous generation of our, of our church's core values. And it was an intentional move to consolidate, to shrink the full number of, of the values we put before our people. Um, and it was an intentional effort. It was an intentional decision to cast it in the form of an image that can be quite familiar, that people will see in other places. And hopefully those images are speaking and compelling God's people to, to embody what those images represent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. a little example of what that means of how we've kind of uh, reintroduced our values we have before uh, a value of ours which still is but now we're communicated differently is um, uh, missional strategy Mm -hmm. so missional strategy a statement or you know two words put together but now instead of saying missional strategy we are displaying the image of a table Mm-hmm. You want to tell us a little bit more about the table and its meaning? Yeah. So with missional strategy, the idea is um, trying to encourage followers of Jesus to realize that they are to live on mission, live as sent people into whatever whatever setting that they are in in a given moment, that they are sent to represent Jesus, to make Jesus known. They're, they're engaging in a missional strategy that unfolds in the ordinary avenues of daily life. Uh, that when uh, when we talk about being a missional people, we're talking about people who are going and engaging culture, going and engaging life in our hometowns and the cities where we serve and, and being a part of where we live and, and contributing to the flourishing of that part of the, of the world. And so missional strategy is kind of bringing Jesus into those moments as opposed to kind of standing afar and inviting people into a Jesus moment. Uh, we're bringing Jesus into our ordinary rhythms of life. And so missional strategy kind of spoke to that dynamic, but it was also, it came with a lot of explanation and a lot of text and words. Mm -hmm. And, but now we just say, you know, we value the table um, because the table is this ordinary image that reminds us of how, of where mission really takes place. Mission doesn't take place so much in an arena where many people are coming to hear or to see or to experience, ordinary mission takes place around the dinner table yeah. in normal environments and ordinary settings. Well, yeah, I mean, and let's just even think a little bit more about just the history of that. Of The history of mission 
back in, you know, in, uh, in history, there would be men who would travel um, to around to different rural areas and they would set up a tent and they would invite as a big event the people in that town to come and hear the gospel. And because there wasn't anything happening in that in that uh, town, people would come there and there would be this new kind of... His strategy was to invite everyone to a given place. Mm-hmm. Over time, I think that we just think that that's the norm of we need to bring... We need to make a big event. We need to do this big production. We need to think a lot about this. But in reality... Something as simple as a table, as inviting someone over, has tremendous impact um, and tremendous missional strategy when it's not overthought. Yeah, it limits the number of people who can actually be involved and the number of people who can actually serve Jesus. Yeah. If it's all about one person traveling and hosting these big events, which is really what the Great Awakening, what kind of catalyzed the Great Awakening, God used these major voices to go to these places and preach these messages that were heard by lots and lots of people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Definitely so God certainly, it's not wrong. Just God certainly it's different used time. it. But what happened was our definition for what it means to be on mission became uh, limited to the... That became our the image that we had in mind or the assumption that we had, well, if mission's occurring, we got to create these extraordinary moments. Mm-hmm. And uh, when you approach mission that way, you're... You're really dependent upon another per- of a single person's expertise, a single person's gift set, a single person's skill set, and uh, uh, most of God's people are excluded because not everybody is a Jonathan Edwards and not everybody is a George Whitfield. Um, but what we're trying to say is like, look, yeah, God used that, but w- mission isn't about creating extraordinary moments. Mission is about engaging in ordinary moments in an extraordinary way. Mm-hmm. And that's something that every single follower of Jesus can do mm-hmm. because every single follower of Jesus has these ordinary things that they do on a daily basis that they share in common with other people who do not yet know Jesus or know the gospel. And we can pull those threads together and make those the epicenter for mission to take place by sitting down and, and sharing a meal with someone and engaging in a real human conversation with a person over over a meal at the table and see how Jesus can how that conversation can be leveraged towards you know dropping gospel seeds and sowing gospel threads that um, can in time blossom take root produce fruit that can in time you know be woven together in a way that that creates a, a wonderful picture of life change yeah yeah there's a really um I always I always think about this when we're considering the table and the image of the table and uh, my my father-in-law he back when in his um, mid twenties when he was jumping into ministry serving as in like his first pastorate um, he he had told me the impact and the value of just having people over um, to sit and talk and he said um, he would put a number of, you know, hours into these big events at the church for evangelism and and these things. But he had said over time, he found that the most impact that his congregation was experiencing and that he had felt towards others was when people would say, thanks for sitting and talking with me the other day at your table. You know, I just came over for coffee and just got to talk. And that was more impactful and meaningful to them than a, a big production. So it's something something right. worth considering, you know, in terms of how we how much we tend to overthink 
Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, I think living life on mission is not nearly as complicated as I think the American church has um, given the impression that it is. Like, there's so many, like, big events and, and create these apparently creative, like, ways to do ministry and to host these events and to, that you can invite people to. It really kind of, I think, shortchanges the vast majority of people that follow Jesus who are trying to find their place in what God is doing. But when it becomes so specialized and expertise-driven, you're cutting that out. You're cutting most of them out. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we want to talk about valuing the table is because we want every person in our church to know they have a role to play yeah. and that every person in our church kn- knows that they can <laughs> make an impact for the glory of Jesus by displaying the beauty of Jesus, by using their tables um, in ways that serve relationships, that serve gospel conversations, that serve joy and and pleasure and uh, intimacy and fellowship and all these dynamics like and that's something again anybody can do and and the table's just one example of this uh, yep. because the big idea is that we want to leverage ordinary moments for extraordinary purposes the table is one example but there are uh, lots of other examples because not everybody is a host or not everybody I think gets excited about hosting people or cooking for people and maybe it stresses them out but there are other ordinary things that they can do and that they are already doing and trying to find ways how can the table and that image inspire them to um, think about you know their mountain bike or to think about their love for coffee or to think about their uh, the time that they spend at the at the brewery or whatever the case may be, how can they turn those ordinary moments that they're already a part of into extraordinary um, opportunities? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's where the 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 value in interpretation of the image, mm-hmm. I think, really rings true. So we also have um, what well, you're also going to be preaching on this Sunday, which is going to be the towel. Mm-hmm. The towel. What yeah. kind of image is that? Do we want to? <laughs> does that want to? Does that evoke? Yeah, the image of the towel uh, speaks to our uh, one of our previous core values of being a humble community that wants to serve others, uh, recognizing that we have a Savior who stepped into the world not to not to be served but to serve, and He did that ultimately by giving His life as a ransom for many. And when we find ourselves being served by Jesus, that instinct is created, and we want to serve those around us. And so the towel, I think, is a very simple image that reminds God's people, that let's serve the people around us, let's bless people around us, let's contribute to their to their um, flourishing in this mm-hmm. world. And then a third image uh, that we'll introduce in a, in a few weeks is the image of a, of, it's probably the most, um, it's going to take some getting used to perhaps by some folks, but I think it's the most important one. Uh, as it comes to this new iteration of values, and that's the image of the tourniquet. Uh, the tourniquet, of course, is a old um, image it's a medical, device, medical device used to yeah. to bind a wound to prevent injury, so that healing can happen. And uh, and what we believe about the human condition is that our deepest wounds are worship wounds. And the only reality capable of meeting us in those deep places is the gospel. Uh, Isaiah 53, 6, it is by the wounds of Jesus that we find our healing. 
that Jesus was wounded so that we can be healed. And so the idea of the tourniquet is this idea that as a church, we want to be a hospital for people who are hurting, for people who are wounded, and we want to apply the gospel to those wounds so that the gospel can provide, can, can establish the, the healing mm-hmm. that, that's needed in the deep places of our lives. Yeah. And so the tourniquet um, is that image that uh, we, yeah, landed on of conveying that passion of ours in the church. Yeah, I think it's great too because it, I mean, through one, one image you can identify through, of Jesus being the great physician, Jesus through the examples of the Gospels, it shows just how well he can tend to people's wounds and their worship wounds. I think often about the um, the Samaritan woman at the well and how how sensitive and tender and careful he was at um, being a physician, a spiritual physician to her, mm-hmm. to where she could then be um, healed and turned in and see the newness of life that he was offering her. Mm. Um, I mean, to me, there's in one sense, I, I picture this interaction, but in another, it's almost as if this physician is urgently tending uh, a, a hurting person who mm. needs, um, who needs to be healed. Yeah. 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 And, and then the fourth image is the image of the toast and everybody has seen that image in our culture where you attend a wedding, you attend some celebration, and people pop up the champagne or the sparkling cider, depending on where you are and who you're with, uh, and you fill up glasses, and <coughs> and you toast the guest of honor, you toast one another, you, you celebrate. Uh, the toast is an image that speaks of celebration, it speaks of joy, it speaks of gladness, it speaks of, of life. It's kind of it's an image that kind of moves upward, not downward, mm, and uh, so we uh, we put that image before our people. Or really, the, all these images kind of bur- came out of our people. The more we um, kind of talked with people and surveyed people, trying to figure out who we are as a church. I mean, we've only been around eight years, and um, in those conversations and hosting those surveys, these these uh, currents just started pouring out of, I think, the hearts of our people. And then we just consolidated them into these four images to, to run with. And uh, But the image of the toast is this dynamic of of celebration, of joy, of upward movement that says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a part of this community in a way that builds everyone else up. I'm going to encourage people. I'm going to honor people. I'm going to identify evidences of grace in people's lives. Um because we want to move upward as a people, which is what the whole idea of edification in the New Testament is all about. It's building up. It's moving upward. And we want to use our words. We want to use our interactions with each other to, to do just that. So the toast is that, is that image. That's great. Well, if you're interested, too, in learning more about this and hearing more about these values, uh, right now we are in uh, are going to be in our second week of our sermon series called Revalue, where we uh, hear more about these and see some um, see the ways that the Lord is working and kind of how He displays that through His gospel. Um, so be sure to take a listen to that in our other Hallows Church podcast. Or join us this Sunday, uh, yeah. 9 a.m. Even better. Even better. 1045 in West Seattle or 4 p.m. right here in Fremont. Yep. We'd love to see you there. <laughs>